0: What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals from around the world. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort.
1: This is Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. This week we continue our tour of Latin America. Last week we had a leader in Brazil and now we have Mr. Jobert Flores who is chairman of ANP Trilhos, been in that role since 2010 in Brazil. Basically, it's the National Rail Association that represents all the rail providers throughout Brazil. Uh, He has spent 40 years with Metro Rio um, in leadership roles there. He was president of the Brazilian Association of Asset Management and Maintenance, part of the committee uh, for Brazilian public transportation, author of a book, uh, and uh, a grand official with Transport of Merit, he is uh, currently working with BID and he's vice president or vice chair of UITP in Latin America. And it is uh, a great pleasure to have him talk about all the things happening in Brazil and Latin America, the role of rail, how rail works, how the bus works, how they're working to integrate uh, new technologies. I think you'll really enjoy this interview with Mr. Jobert Flores in Brazil. Today we continue our series heading into Latin America with a wonderful guest, Mr. Bear Flores, who is chairman of a large group of transportation companies, ANP Trilhos, and he's been there for over 10 years in this role and has a fascinating background. Uh, Bear, thank you so much for being our guest today.
2: Thank you for the invitation.
1: That's great. So I'm calling you, we're doing this via Zoom. I'm in the Washington DC area. Where are you calling in from?
2: Nowadays I am in Sao Paulo. Honestly, I live in Rio, but I'm working in a a company that is installing uh, uh, one line here in Sao Paulo. So I'm staying for the week to work in this company. And uh, during the weekend, I came back to my house in
1: Rio. Very good. How are things going down there when it comes to COVID? Are things loosening up a little bit? Is it getting a little better or is it still tough?
2: No, it's still tough. Of course, the vaccination is increasing. But you have a long way until you have to establish this, this situation.
1: Very good. So um, tell us a little about yourself and what you do. Uh,
2: okay. Uh, I have been working in the sector for the last 47 years. Wow. Uh, I, I began uh, when I was 19 as an intern in Metro Rio. Metro Rio at this time was only in a, uh, under the construction in the design. For me, it was a very good opportunity because I was I'm, I'm, I left the, the technical school. I was in the first year in the college in the engineering college, and uh, I, I work in the in the design in the in the manufacture of the equipments in the commission, and when the operation began, I changed to the to the maintenance area. I stayed there for. More than 20 years. In the beginning, in the in the power systems. After this, in the electromechanical. After this, in the engineering that takes care of everything, including trains and signaling. And I stayed 12 years as executive director. It was a big change for me because I began uh, in the in, in the uh, human resource and uh, in uh, institutional uh, relations. And after these include the, the legal area, the supply chain, and I came back for six years in the engineering. So I, I left Metro Rio after 45 years. Nowadays, I'm working in a Chinese company called BYD that is installing a monorail system in Sao Paulo that will connect the city airport to the other metro lines. And uh, still have this institutional work as chairman of the Association, the Brazilian Association.
1: Well, you've had quite a distinguished career. Thank you. Yes. So um, tell us some, I guess, uh, why don't we start first with, um, uh, I, oh, did you mention you're also, are you vice chair of UITP down there? Vice president? Yes. I,
2: I, I, I'm finishing my term as vice chairman to Latin America in the Metro Division. Okay. okay. Yeah. I, I run a two terms and uh, it was a very nice experience with very... Uh, the network is fantastic, and uh, work with the, the people from the, the headquarters in Brussels was a very good experience for me.
1: And you're also, uh, both of us share, I think, that we're authors of books. Uh, tell us about the book that you helped author.
2: Ah, yes. Uh, look, d- during my time in, in the maintenance, we have a very difficult with with uh, uh, have indicators and share indicators. And uh, me and and two colleagues, we try to to try to put together all the indicators we, we need. And this book was published in a collection about maintenance. And uh, nowadays it improved a lot. When I was in the, in the Metro Rio, for 15 years we participated in a very interesting benchmarking group uh, running by the, the Imperial College in the London University, is the Comet Nova group that joined Nowadays, 40 metros in the world with a strong NDA clause to have to, to exchange information. But nowadays, you have indicators in, in, a, in a very good way, including for maintenance.
1: So you spent 40 years with Metro Rio. Uh, tell, us yes. about, tell us about the transportation system in Rio. Rio is a city with
2: around 7 million inhabitants in the metropolitan regions, close to 12 million inhabitants. We have... To three systems of of uh, rails to make the backbones of the mobility in the past we had 300 kilometers of trams but it was completely uh, 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 terminated uh, nowadays you have only 28 30 kilometers of trams are modern but just just this 30 but you have a metro line that exists since 1979 with just 54 kilometers and a commuter train with 250 kilometers. But unfortunately, uh, uh, you you mentioned your experience in in, the United States. You know that United States, you have in New York, MTA, in in Wamata, in Washington, they they are good and big uh, public transit authority. And unfortunately, this culture don't, we don't have in Brazil until now is one of the goals of our association. Why? Because you have in, in Rio, you are asking about Rio, we have 8,000 buses in the city. And sometimes the lines are not organized or connected in a good way. So we have a lot a very good loss in the scale. And of course, it represents a cost that you can avoid.
1: Yes. Yeah, so you mentioned your association. Uh, tell us about this association that you've been chairman of for the last 11 years, and what you all do. Uh,
2: Brazil has a, 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 a confederation of all kind of associations of transport, included buses, trucks, uh, uh, boats, everything, planes. Uh, it's in, in the federal uh, capital, and the, the, the freight rail companies they had they they have since this time. Uh, an association, but the freight companies are all private. And in our sector, it's mixed. 10 years ago, 11 years ago, we tried to to join this association, but it was impossible because the goal of them is just freight. You have to develop a second one, linked for the same confederation. And what is the goal, Paul? The problem is Brazil is. Brazil is a very big country, as you know. You have 8.5 million square meters, but the level of urbanization is very heavy. Uh, you have nowadays 210 million inhabitants. 87 70 years ago, our population was 30% of these 70 million people. Okay. But at this time, the cities joined only 50. Uh, uh, 20% of the population, so around 14, 15 million people. In this last 6, 7, 80 years, the population tripled, but the level of urbanization uh, implemented more than 10 times. Now, we have 85% of the population living in cities, so uh, around 170 million people, and you have 27 metropolitan regions with more than... One million inhabitants, and it's 17 cities. Just a city with more than one million inhabitants, but in the other hand, on the other hand, we can see that uh, we have to establish uh, 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 organized mobility with a, a mass transit capacity. We have only 1,165 kilometers. That is a shame if you compare it with other cities. Uh, we have metros, we have suburban trains since the 30s, electrified, uh, but we have metros since the 70s. But it's not enough to this kind of population. And it costs a lot with the with externalities you have to pay. So the goal for this association is, is expand our lines, demonstrate to the decision makers, uh, that it's important to invest in this kind of systems. So we we began this work, and and fortunately we are nowadays they we are can be listened for these people in the Congress in the in the in the executive. So we are increasing this conversation, but it's a long way to to have a, a success.
1: That's good. So in this association. Um it is uh, it's an association of all these transportation providers and you're working together yeah. to kind of work with the government to make things actually more efficient aren't you
2: sure uh, the association the, the main the main uh, participants are the operators right all the operate all the rail passenger operators in brazil are in this in the association so okay. for this you have every three months a meeting with all the CEOs of these companies to try to have a, a, a plan to, to discuss the strategy you have to, 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 to follow. So it's very important to put it together. Uh, we have also some associates as the, the, the big industry, but they, are, uh, uh, they, they have no power in the, the decision in the association, only the operators.
1: We have with us on the line our good friend and my colleague Juan Garidi, Uh and Juan had a question he wanted to ask you, if that's okay.
3: Okay. Go ahead, Juan. <laughs> okay, thank you, Paul. No, I have one question. Very interesting question to uh, to Joubert. Uh, Joubert, uh, according to your great experience in race transportation, what is your opinion for the or your expectation in this innovation side from technology, specifically? In the rails area in the future.
2: Look, I, I believe that uh, one thing that represents our sector is innovation, is technology. You see that uh, 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 even we don't have uh, so many lines in Brazil. We have already one big line driverless. We 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 use the the update technology, and you are also in the in the in the ticketing area using the, the most modern technology. So I believe that nowadays you're talking about uh, autonomous cars and things like that. But you can not forget that this, this autonomous mode of conduction, it began with the trains. And, 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 and in the end of the day, this technology is not more than the, the, the route that you have in the train systems, adding with machine learning, to try to 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 see everything you can happen. So we are as the Formula for the cars, as the uh, the, as the lab to develop technology. I believe car
1: sector is the same. Let's talk about the future a little bit. A big conversation that I'm having with people around the world lately. Um, just last night, I was talking to the head of transportation in Melbourne, Australia, for a future mm-hmm. podcast. And uh, a lot of folks are talking about the need for integrated transportation. So the idea mm-hmm. being that you, you know, you've got the rail, you've got the buses, you've got you know taxi cabs, you've got you know Uber and Lyft, and all these modes of public and private operators. Tell us about any efforts in Brazil to move toward integrated transportation, where you're pulling these modes together. You know the mobility as a service type of things. Mobility without an
2: integration, it's a lie. You can't you can have this. Uh, in the past, since they are uh, in. Uh, uh, Private and you didn't have a, a, a strong regulation. you have a lot of competition. When it's better to have integration, we are trying to convince that if you can have one decision maker together in a in a in a public uh, transit association uh, uh, authority. Sorry, that can that can begin. With a, with a consortium, with these municipalities to have an integrated uh, transportation that will save money and time for the people. Imagine that here in Brazil, the, the, the majority of blue-collar workers, they need two hours to come from the, 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 the area where they live to the downtown area to work. So four hours in a public transportation uh, is, is not good for your, their health. For the quality of life, including for the productivity, so uh, uh, you can improve this. That will improve our GDP if you have a better a better situation like this. In the past, the bus companies are, are all quite. Our they understand as enemy as the rail system. And nowadays, they understood that it's better to have an, a, a, a a mobility that work together. Because they can run less distance and it's more, it's more profitable, including for these operators. But you mentioned an important thing nowadays with the apps, with all this technology. It's important, but it's almost important to, to, to the mass transit and the buses companies understand that the first and last mile and connecting, we need to have together this and to, 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 to serve better the population
1: where do you see public transportation and mass transportation going in brazil you mentioned that you all are lobbying your your organization is and you're working mm-hmm. to bring in new technology but take us out 5 years from now where do you see things happening in brazil for transportation public transportation
2: the the government in brazil they they, under, they, they, they understood that they need to improve this infrastructure but you have a, a lack of fiscal capacity to do the investment that we need, okay? So uh, they are doing these concessions and PPPs to try to attract private capital to this kind of business. Uh, I know that is not useful, but you have a lot of cases of success to implement uh, PPPs in metro lines. We have a big one here in Sao Paulo, we have another one in Salvador, and you have a new one in Sao Paulo to run a complete new line line 6. So, but in 5 years, if you if you uh, have this 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 implement in our networks, we need to to reinforce uh, our our regulation rules. To, to, because the contracts need to be respected, and and the, uh, people, the, the the private company need to be have a comfort that these contracts will be done with with the state, not with the government that changes every four years. And you have also to implement the characteristics of the guarantees uh, rules, because in the end of the day we are. Is serving, we are doing a public service on behalf of the state, but this is an obligation of the state, not of the, the, the concessionary. Uh, it, this is very important in a situation that you are living now, because the pandemic affects a lot all the public transport service in Brazil. Uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, the, the, we, we lost around 80% of the demand, and now, uh, even though we have already uh, recovered part of the economy sector we still not only rails including buses we are only running 50 55% of our ridership comparing to before the pandemic so it is is a is a very big deficit uh, only rail uh, accumulate a loss of 2 billion dollars in, in 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 during this period
1: Wow, that's something. When all these contractors are running, you know, the bus service and the rail service, do they take the revenue risk? Do they keep the Do they keep the uh, the fares, uh, and that counts against them, or does that go to the government?
2: Yeah, this, this is a second uh, learning curve you need to to take from now. Uh, but f- uh, the government is, is is learning in the in the in the worst situation. A lot of lines in Brazil, including the buses line, including in small cities, the mayors ever understood that uh, it's uh, uh, the fare can cover every 100 uh, percent of the cost of the service. Right, and that's not correct because in in the end of the day, uh, uh, the poor people subsidize poor people using this kind of of, of, of understanding. And now with the pandemic, they we, we are trying they are. Beginning to understand that uh, we are trying to con- uh, talk with them to have a policy. When you have gratuity, gratuity uh, the 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 the, pass- the other passion, the paying pass- and pay for the gratuity. If the government has a law of the gratuity, the the, the taxpayer need to pay, not the, only the users. And and a, a second point oh, that is important. Uh, I know that United States people use a lot of cars, but in, in big cities they all had understood that's not so a good idea. And in Brazil we have amazing traffic chains because they have a lot of cars in the streets. But uh, uh, the, 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 the politicians now understand that when people use their own car, uh, it's not for free because you have the cost of the, the street, of the signals, of the of the, 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 the people that you control the traffic, and every taxpayer pay for this. So, on the other hand, support that one that has no private car should be, I think, that the, all taxpayer uh, need to help and support. And it's important also to talk to them that if they allowed that the, the the public transportation sector uh, bankrupt, will never recover the economy because we will depend on in the future. So it they it uh, there's that are our, these are our arguments now to convince. And fortunately, they are understanding.
1: Thank you so much, Joe Bear Flores, for being our guest today on Transit Unplugged. I think you have painted a wonderful picture of the current status of things and where it's going. And you've you're certainly the one to tell us after. 40 years working uh, at Metro Rio, and now as chairman of the National Rail Association, ANP trail for the last 10 years. Uh, plus we there's a lot of other things we didn't talk about your role as a grand official of transport merit and your role in the Brazilian Association of Asset Management as chairman and the the former part of the part of the committee of the Brazilian Public Transportation Association you are the man in Brazil it looks like who uh, is helping to guide what <laughs> public transportation is going to look like so thank you so much <laughs> for being our nice guest of you <laughs> yeah.
2: thank you Paul. very nice of you it was my pleasure
1: Hey, thanks for being with us today on Transit Unplugged. As we wrap up our July series on Latin America, we had some amazing guests talking about what's happening right now in public transit in Latin America. We had Dimas Pereira, who is, uh, who's been in transit for a long time, and he is head of a union of bus companies called Sandio Bus. And uh, he's been there for 10 years. at 17 companies operating around 1,800 buses all around Fortaleza and that area. He also helps oversee a national association, which is involved in public transportation. And then Jobert Flores, who is chairman of the group ANP Chilhos, which is a similar group, which is responsible for transportation. And he is um, he's been president of the Brazilian Association of Asset Management and Maintenance and part of the Brazilian Public Transport Association, written a book, both real leaders in Brazil and Latin America. And I really want to thank my cohort and compadre, uh, Juan Garrito, who helped me set up these interviews. Juan, thank you so much for helping me set those up and getting these leaders on our podcast. The first time we've ever been able to get into Latin America with some top leaders. And then we also have on the line Paula Pozo, who is vice president of marketing for Trapeze and also from Mexico. Paula, thank you so much for being with us today. And so today we're going to do a little roundtable discussion about what we heard. From these Latin America leaders, and where we think public transportation trends are going in Latin America for the second half of 2021 and into the future. And Paula, I wanna talk to you first. Uh, you worked for many years in the rail industry in Mexico, and you actually just recently were one of the big speakers, the headline speakers of the UITP summit in Latin America, talking about what the future trends are. Tell me about what's happening in Mexico right now with public transportation and where you think things are going. Thank you, Paul.
0: Yeah, I had um, the honor of being participating with the uh, UITP and other groups, the Mexican Association of Transportation and Mobility the last couple of years. And it definitely gives me a a view, right, Paul, of what's going on. I grew up in Mexico City. I was there for the first almost 30 years of my life. Um, I've seen public transportation transform greatly. Every time I go back to Mexico, there's always a new surprise, right? I just came back uh, last night from, from Mexico City. It's uh, a lot of opportunity, Paul, but it's getting there, right? Um, what I'm seeing is the normal trend. I mean, definitely different than the US. The system doesn't work like here. Um, some of the, most of the systems are private, right? Run by pr- private operators. Some of them are government funding, like subways, right? Some of the light rail operations. So different different business models, you still see a lot of informal economy, Paul. Um, we still have this this model of single man operation. You know, you own a vehicle, you own a bus, so you deliver the service. We still a lot of opportunity, but because you own the vehicle and you go out there and finding your, you know, your daily like wage, you continue doing that because that's what you know and that's what you have to do to bring money back to your household, right? However, what I'm seeing, and I'm really happy to see this, right? associations, government, um, suppliers, new business models trying to come up to really bring the enterprise model um, to these areas, right. And I really believe that it's a win-win situation. It's unknown for many so that you see you see a little bit of um, a, a challenge, a barrier right from these uh, single men operators. but if you think about it, right it's such a benefit for the city, You get better service, you get more organized service. Technology is actually used to to find the best ways to deliver and program these, scale these routes. Um, The enterprise benefits from having the ability to have almost like economies of scale to be able to use technology uh, to benefit both the community, the operators, the whole operation uh, of public transportation. But most importantly, right, for the operators, right now they know how, how much money they make every day, how much money they make every month. Uh, they know how much money they spend in their operating costs. But if one month they have an accident, if one month they have uh, their vehicle breaks breaks down, that just breaks their entire like uh, ability to really forecast their income. So if they really organize in an enterprise model, um, you know, that hassle goes away. That preventive maintenance is taken care of, that that even the uh, proactive maintenance is taken care of, they have more. Um, certainty and and less vulnerability on schedule and income. Uh, They are more like free, if you will, right, to to go about their lives Um, and they can manage, they can manage better. So again, this is just one example, Paul, of the things that I'm seeing, um, collaboration with like associations. I see these associations, UITP, AMTM, others really stepping up, talking to us, suppliers, talking to the cities, finding funding, and really making these projects happen, right? Uh, we saw the uh, example with Dimas Arreira from Fortaleza in Brazil. He brought together 17 operators, and the results? Amazing technology, amazing benefits for the city, for the operators, for everyone, right? So I hope yeah. that I can see more of that, Paul.
1: That's good. That's a really good example and a good segue to one. One w- when we talked to uh, Dimas and Jobert, they talked to us about the model uh. Although there are these associations, oftentimes they have to rely solely on the fare box to fund it. And they, and they noted that they're looking for more funding from the government and maybe a new model uh, for transportation there in Brazil, which is where you're at today. Uh, is there any movement to review that model in Brazil? Uh,
3: yes, thank you. Thank you for your, your, your question. Uh, this discussion started some, some year before the pandemic. Because the current model already shows signs and, and control it, it losses it for operating companies, and now with the pandemic, uh, this has become more evident. Right? Uh, it was clear. It was clear that I need, it need to be discussed again. Right? I know that there is now a proposal for a new regulatory framework, uh, We consider many aspects. Okay? Which is being analyzed in the government right now, it became clear to operators, manufacturers, public authorities, and the technical community that this model of public transport management is exhausted at And this is unsustainable in the current basis of hiring and costing only, right? A um, little more, it is expansion and improving, for example. right, The main aspects that drive this proposal is no longer being held hostage to the fair value about ticketing specifically, right? So the future is to get a discussion to define a new transport model which considers operating costs more and probably re-evaluate the use of subsidies by the government, who knows, okay? Yes. It will be a good discussion. We'll see the next chapter, Paul.
1: What can we expect, Juan, for the next chapter, the post-pandemic urban transport in Brazil? What do you see coming next?
3: Uh, okay, much is. As- said about activity transport mobility on demand application innovation but none of these contribute to solving the problem of mobility in our metropolis in public transport of high capacity the high capacity were not considered in this context right <laughs> this this system is the essence of mobility it is needs it, it is need that most of the daily commuting happens and this basis on it that all other application connect forming a true Network, right, and the service for the population of citizens. Currently, uh, currently the public transport, I think, experienced the greatest crisis in this story right, here in Brazil. A drops drop in the number of passengers since the beginning of the pandemic, coupled with the need to maintain the service offered and increase the expenses because they needed to the new health protocols, right, uh, has caused a large numbers of companies to be unable to maintain. The provision of this service, right? Over these 15 months, the, the beginning of the of the pandemic has lost more than 25 billion reales, around two five billion dollars from loser, right? An impressive figure that is being possible to be supported by the by the companies. The decrease was very 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 big, but I think it's not not everything is toughness from my, in my point of view. we see on the other hand that the company have learned a lot to be turning the crisis in the crisis have learned to adapt the process to the new, uh, to new needs uh, have learned to be supportive have learned to understand that the center of everything is the client this is I think the, the more important for that with all this I realized that they are they are now open to receive. New process, new technologies to stay alive first and to be competitive in the future, right?
4: If yeah, we added yeah. here
3: new laws that can be approved to keep this model running, I think we will have a promising future here in Brazil. very specifically.
1: Good. That's good. Well, it's good to be optimistic. and thank you, Juan. And Paula, Juan mentioned that he sees the role for new technologies uh, coming into Latin America. What do you see there?
0: Yeah, Paul, it's surprising to see that so many operators are actually very advanced. Uh, but again, as I said earlier, there's a lot of opportunity. Um, I think, Paul, there's a lot of talk, especially coming out of the pandemic, right? Going back to the normal, there's a lot of talk about those most common technologies that you could like uh, assume there exists down there, right? Like demand management right now. How do you match demand with supply? Very critical. Uh, inclusion how do you make sure you serve some of the on uh, un- communities um, so fleet management right that's those are the most common technologies that I can see now uh, being talked about but I can also see that there's a big need to manage um, your assets, manage your workforce internally right so if you think about it right like the three pillars almost mobility solutions the ones some of the ones that I have already talked about, and then you have your employees, just have your workforce management, and then you have your asset management, physical assets, right? All so critical to maintain a safe operation, especially now that we have to cater to the big challenges, right? For example, um the environment, right? We need to we need to manage that fuel consumption that is gonna serve both the, the, the environment goal and the saving cost goals. But we're also seeing more electric vehicles starting to become a thing, at least in countries like Mexico. So are systems ready to manage that, right? Are systems ready to program routes that have to do with different dynamics now with electric vehicles, right? So what I'm seeing, Paul, is a need for operators to really see not only the mobility solutions. Yeah, we need to give uh, users uh, more accurate information, more information about the ride their, their, their journeys right that's gonna make them come back to public transportation we need to educate the excuse, excuse me the user so yes definitely for sure but i see a lot of opportunity on the back end almost right where how do you manage that workforce how do you manage those vehicles how do you improve the operation in a preventive way there's a lot of opportunity there i see interest um people are struggling to really um, look deeper into saving cost savings. That's the way to go, um, and that's something that they have not necessarily um, seen, right, as an opportunity. But I believe there is. There is, especially now, they're strolling to find new new ways for uh, for revenue and and cost savings.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Paul, and thank you, Juan, for helping us wrap up this July series on Latin America. And we are looking to have more guests from Mexico and around Latin yes. America on the Transit Unplugged podcast in the months to come. Thanks for being with us and listening to the world's number one transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged.
4: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged In-Depth with our guest, Mr. Gilder Flores from Brazil. And I'd like to thank our Roundtable guests, Juan Garidi and Paolo Reopozo for their insights in what's going on in Latin America as a whole in public transit and what the future holds for this large and diverse part of the world. And next week on Transit Unplugged News & Views, we have the first in a new series of segments called Transit Tech, where I talk to leaders in the technology side of the transit industry to understand what's coming in the future and how innovation is helping the transit industry as a whole. My first guest is Dr. Farouk Mansouri, the head of data science at Trapeze. We'll be talking about what machine learning and artificial intelligence has in store for the transit industry. If you like what you hear here on Transit Unplugged, take a moment and rate and review it wherever you listen to podcasts. When you rate and review the podcast, it helps other people find Transit Unplugged so they can learn about what's going on in public transit around the world for themselves. So until next week, hope everyone rides safe and rides happy.